You like Fireboy? I do. You're listening to Your Tables on Fire. A weekly conversation with the hottest game designers on Kickstarter. Here comes your host, Jeff Beck. Well, hello. Thanks for tuning in to Your Tables on Fire. This is episode number 16. Okay, with me today, we have a very special guest. We have Dave Clark, the founder of Sinister Fish and the creator of Great Scott. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good, good. Yeah, not bad at all. Great. Can you take a minute and introduce yourself? Uh, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always worry about this, this sort of stuff. Like, I'm going to say first, like, I'm no authority on any of this stuff. This is my, my first game, so I'm kind of feeling my way through. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's what we're all about is new designers. That's why sure. Kickstarter exists, right? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, about me. I'm in England. And how did I get into web design? Is that the question? Not web design. <laughs> well, you know, I guess you could tell us about web design. We probably care more about your game uh, design. Let me start again. <laughs> well, web design is one thing that I do to pay the bills. Basically, I, I do anything I can not to have a boss. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just try and keep my head above water from the safety of my own home where I can work in my pants, you know. All right. <laughs> I'm very curious about the name of your game design company, Sinister Fish. What's the story behind that? <laughs> um, my friend came up with that name, and I think it was a character from a game of Toon, the role-playing game that we played a very, very long time ago. I think one of the characters was Sinister Fish, just a really <laughs> a really Sinister Fish. Are you aware of Toon? Yeah, I, yeah, I played. That's a fun game. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think we had, we had Sinister Fish. I think my character was uh, Ponsonby Piranha. Uh, his power was just he could swallow anything. Wow. Yeah. And I was wondering if it was some really bad restaurant experience you had. I guess he, not. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe, actually, yeah. He is, <laughs> he is a pescatarian, so yeah, I'll ask. He's always eating weird prawns and stuff. <laughs> Dave, how did you get into gaming? I got into gaming. I have to blame my favorite aunt. No offense to my other aunts. I have several. <laughs> She got me into Dungeons & Dragons when I was about eight years old, so this is sort of early 80s, and I think, she, yeah, she'd been introduced to D&D by one of my other cousins, I believe, so I would go over there and stay for a week or two during the summer holidays. We'd play D&D, just me and her. I was hooked from then on, really. I remember sort of coming back from that and getting my first D&D box set and then sort of trying to get all my friends from school involved and stuff, and we used to like play at school at lunchtime and things like this. It's just something that I've kind of never dropped. I think most of us have that experience at some point where you catch the bug, don't you? And then, and then you're done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> right. For life, you know. <laughs> you're hooked. Yeah. It's over. So D&D, obviously an RPG, two in an RPG. How are Great Scott not an RPG? Do you, you play just traditional board games as well? Actually, I'm fairly new to sort of traditional board games because most of my kind of group that I would game with, we were fine with role-playing games. And then for a long time, we got involved with live role-playing LARP. Again, this was like back at school when I was about 14 or 15, a few of us got together and we couldn't afford to sort of go to all these LARP events that were starting to pop up in the UK at the time. So we thought, well, we'll just set up our own. <laughs> you know, a friend had some woods at the back of his house and we just used to go and do that. And that ended up being something that I was involved in for about 20, 25 years of being involved in LARP and, and kind of writing rules and writing scenarios and stuff for that kind of thing. And we would still do kind of tabletop role-playing and, and some board games as well. 
although we never really got exposed to the kind of the board game tabletop gaming scene quite so much like we just didn't know anybody that was into it and, and we were doing our own thing so it's, it's more of a recent thing yeah I do remember having like the old games workshop games we used to play Blood Bowl when it came out and there was a Judge Dredd block war game Cosmic Encounter I had the games workshop version of Cosmic Encounter things like this but it, yeah it never became a big thing until much more recently I think money's an issue, you know, board games aren't cheap and we're all broke students and stuff and uh, something that a lot of people come to later when they can afford it, I think. Did you have any desire to design an RPG? Yeah, we looked at it a few times. I think in the end we had our sort of home-brewed LARP thing that we were doing and we did like, in a you know, just a very sort of small press way, like publish rules for that and sold them. It was never like a, a sort of a major publishing effort because, you know, it's a very niche market. You know, a lot of LARP groups just make up their own system anyway, certainly in the UK. I think it's a bit more organised over in the States, isn't it? You have Nero and things like this, where there's hundreds of clubs all working off the same rules, and that's not so much of a, of a thing here. But yeah, that rule set, that our sort of LARP rules, did see print in various versions. Yeah, so I've just cut to now. Me and my friends have all still got the gaming bug. It's just that, you know, you get older, you have responsibilities, and it's harder to arrange these sort of long-involved role-playing campaigns, and LARPing takes a lot of organisation and stuff, and I think it's just through a mixture of laziness and necessity, for me anyway, can't speak for them, that I kind of gravitated towards board games and stuff that we know and love, you know. You can have a bunch of people around, whip a game out and play for a couple hours, and you're done, you know. There's no commitment or, or kind of organisation to it. Right. And you can be done in less than a week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, you know, so prior to me getting more into board games, we'd, over the last few years, like, we've started so many role-playing games that have gone for, like, one or two sessions. And then, like, oh, someone's working, so they can't come for this session. And then, it, you know, it just fizzles out. And those poor characters never get their resolution, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I like, I like gaming where there's an end to it on a reasonable timescale. So you've been gaming for so long... Think back and dredge up a good story. Maybe something went terribly wrong. Maybe it was a terrible experience <laughs> that you can share with us. A terrible experience? Oh, man. That's a really good question. I, d I did think of something, actually, that it only came to me the other day, which relates to Great Scott and, and the stuff that happened when, when we were sort of involved in LARPing. And like, we, we, you know, we were doing it every week. At one point, I think we had 50 people would show up every week, and it was mayhem, to be honest. All these people would be turning up, and it, it was just the style of the game that we ran. It was just ridiculous, kind of high fantasy hack and slash sort of stuff. So there's a really high body count, and people's characters are dying left, right, and centre, right? So <laughs> so every week, there'd be this queue of people coming in to write up new characters. And of course, it takes a while, and you know we don't want to be sitting there doing paperwork. We want to get out and play. So <laughs> people would come in, and we'd say, right, okay, you know, yeah, you're a warrior, this is your equipment, uh, what's your character's name? Because we would be writing them all down on a character sheet, and they'd, people would sit there and go, oh, I haven't really thought of a name. And it, this got really annoying, you know, they're like, how dare people make up a character? They haven't even thought of a name, you know. Right, so right. We, we, we made up this um, table for, <laughs> for people that couldn't be bothered to think up a name. We would do one for them from this kind of randomly generated list of ridiculous sort of words and syllables <laughs> and stuff. And it was, you know, it was like it was your punishment for not having thought of a character. <laughs> so you know, you'd get Zorgar, and or I thought, I'm pretty sure there was a Pac-Man. So, you, you know, we'd literally roll a die and uh, put two things together. Right, that's your name. Get out. You know, <laughs> um, and and that it just it struck me that that of course we thought this were hilarious. We thought we were the funniest guys in the world for doing this to people. You know, it struck me that that just that kind of kernel of creating humour from randomness kind of thing. And that is kind of the core of Great Scott, now I think about it, that there is this um, 
we'll we'll talk about the game in a minute. But yeah, yeah. But I can't. Yeah, sorry, I can't think of any horrible experiences. I think all my experiences with gaming have been really good. That's why I still do it. <laughs> apart <laughs> from that. Yeah, no, I can I can think of. There's plenty. All right, you know, any any LARPer will be able to tell you of times that they got hit in places that they rather wouldn't get hit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one year we were camping on a on a hillside during the worst storm that the UK had seen for 50 years and the, the organisers of the event were going around telling people to write their names and addresses and sort of next of kin on their hands in case we all died in the night and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, that was good. Our tent collapsed around us and yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, see that's the kind of experience you don't get on a tabletop game. No, no, it's rare. <laughs> Definitely rare. <laughs> So, what inspired you to design your own game? Well, I, I've kind of I've always been into making things. I will totally admit that I am a control freak. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I love to do things myself. And if I have an idea of something to do, rather than kind of go and get someone to do it for me, I'll I'll go right. How do I do this? Let, let's find out. I'll do it myself. You know, sometimes it works out, and sometimes you just end up feeling terrible that you haven't done a good job. You know. The years of kind of writing stuff for the live roleplay, that was just kind of something we did because we enjoyed, you know, I, I never considered myself a game designer in that respect. That was just something that we were doing for fun. And then about 18 months ago, this is going to sound really weird, right? I woke up one morning and I felt like something had gone wrong with me. And I was like suddenly having all these like ideas about, I'm going to write a book. I've got a brilliant idea for a book. And I pretty much overnight sort of started churning out. I've never really written fiction much. I enjoy writing, but I've, I've never spent time doing it. And I, I spent days and days kind of writing down stuff for this book. And I think I've got like the first third of a novel written. It felt like something had snapped in my brain. And I was having all these ideas and stuff, which, you know, everybody has ideas like stuff pops into your head all the time. But this was just like... It, it was constant. It was it was it was so bizarre. I've never experienced anything like it before. To the point that I actually went to the doctor because I thought I, I might, there might be something seriously wrong with me. <laughs> like he would say, "Oh my God, you you need to go and have an MRI scan or something." You know, <laughs> so um, it's cancer of the brain. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, this you know this stuff happens. And like you know, I'm 43. You know, oh yeah, there might be something really badly wrong here. This isn't right. I'm not like this. <laughs> um, the doctor just laughed at me and sent me home. Um, and said, see how it goes. So, you know, it turns out I didn't die. It lasted for about, I don't know, six weeks of just this sort of mad creative rush. I can't, it's so, it's hard to describe. Never experienced anything like it before or since. And by the end of that, I was writing this book. I had that thought of, how could you write a, a classic RPG style dungeon bash, but in a kind of semi-realistic, gritty fantasy story? How could you do that and it not be ridiculous? You know, like, what, what are some circumstances that would lead to a bunch of people going down a dungeon and fighting monsters? You know, that, that was just kind of the rough idea for the book. And I was like, right, I'll try and write a really cool sort of serious treatment of how that could actually happen, inverted commas, real-world situation. So I was having all these ideas for this, and it struck me that, like, wow, yeah, I could do a game based on the book as well, and then started thinking about a game. And then all of a sudden I wasn't doing the book anymore. I was designing this game. <laughs> uh, but that game was not Great Scott. I'm no, guessing. no, it wasn't at all. It was like the ridiculously overblown, impossible to produce <laughs> game that every designer I imagine comes up with as their first game and thinks, right. wow, this is going to be amazing. And then, <laughs> and then you actually, right, I'm going to look into how I would actually publish this. And then a week later, I'm like, right, yeah, no, <laughs> no, Maybe not. not at all. You know, I was thinking, okay, all right, I really want to do this, though. Think small. And that was when the idea of combining words to make stupid combinations of words that vaguely make sense 
popped, it popped <laughs> into my head and um, I thought, oh, okay, so that sounds like it. what if these words are all components in an invention and, and yeah, and it went from there really. Great lead-in. Let's talk a little more about Great Scott. Okay, okay. For those that aren't familiar with the game, give us the rundown. Sure. So in Great Scott, you're making inventions from a collection of ridiculous cards. So we've got assets and concepts, two types of cards. Um, your assets are things that are there's animal, mineral, and vegetable types. So three types of asset card. And there's also three types of concept card. And basically, you're going to pull cards from five different decks and make an invention with five cards. So it includes three concepts and two assets. So you end up with some very, very silly combinations indeed. Um, there's some scoring mechanisms going on. So while you're drafting your invention, you need to be thinking about the combinations that are going to score you more points. Um, but also, the fun part of the game, the best bit, is once everybody's made an invention, you all have to explain it to the other players and they're going to give you commendation points on whether they thought yours was the best, right? So while you're drafting, you've also got to be thinking about how can I actually explain this thing that I'm building and, you know, am I going to make it funny or will it actually be useful in, by some bit of freak chance? They're, they're, ne <laughs> they're never useful. Kind of started the process with just having these decks of cards that you could make an invention out of and explain what it was. You know, that element was there right from the beginning. And we toyed with, where, where's the game? Basically, that was the challenge. Um, <laughs> we tried so many different things of sort of varying complexity. In the end, ended up with the simplest version that I could viably do, where there was still the game and still the decisions to make. Because everything was just taking too long, the, the things that we tried before to make it more complex and more gamey, I felt like it had to be really, really gamey, you know, <laughs> make it more gamey. Um, <laughs> Give us an example of a failed mechanic that you tried. Oh, uh, right, okay, so the version that we, uh, I say we, like at, at the time, like right at the early stages, me and like four of my best friends, we would meet every week and sit around the table and play test and play test and try different stuff. So the one that we thought was going to be more or less the final version, we took it to the UK Games Expo. The guys from Playtest UK organised people to come and playtest it for us, which was awesome. But we'd kind of sat in isolation with it, and it's that classic thing that we hadn't playtested it with people who weren't us. So we went to this event and playtested it, and it was taking... It took me half an hour to explain how to play. <laughs> in, in like the... I think we had a 90-minute playtest slot. The first half hour was how to play this game. It's not that kind of game, I've, I've got to say. <laughs> now it takes two minutes to explain. I probably didn't explain it very well, but trust me, it's very easy to learn now. So what we had was, you were still doing the same thing. You're making an invention and explaining what it does, but there was an hour of building and card play that before that actually happened. And every single card was dual use. So each card was either an asset or a concept that you could play into your invention. But if you flipped it upside down, it was a card that you could play on the other players or on yourself to do different stuff. And we had player boards and steam gauges and all sorts of stuff, which, you know, is very nice and thematic and everything but it just took too long and the actual fun bit of the game took far too long to get to I kind of took an executive decision in the end and trashed everything <laughs> I, don't know if that, I don't know if that made me very popular with my friends but <laughs> yeah now was that a decision you arrived at on your own just observing people or did someone say hey Dave this is taking too long here no it was blatantly obvious that it was taking too long and so we sort of set ourselves the task of right how do we strip this down and there were various ways of doing that. And yeah, I, I just took the most brutal <laughs> way of doing it I possibly could, which was trash everything and start from scratch. How long ago was that? That was, oh man, I think it was sort of last April, something like that. 
and then since then was just kind of refining the gameplay and then getting out and playtesting and preparing for Kickstarter sort of yeah like almost a year ago was when I sort of seriously started preparing for Kickstarter and finding out the actual hard details about publishing and all the rest of it. You know, and I had that in mind from the start. I find it really interesting how publishing considerations inform the design of the game. So we'd be sitting around playing and someone would say, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had tokens for this? And I'd go, no, no more components. <laughs> like, you know, add a token. It's not one token you're adding to the game, it's a thousand tokens. And, <laughs> right. You know, you've got to pay for a thousand tokens and that's all that adds up. So yeah, I was harsh on myself for keeping it simple in the end. Yeah, I'm glad I did. Well, you know, there's, and there's always another game that you can design after this. Sure, yeah, yeah, the crazy dungeon game. The crazy dungeon game is going to happen one day. That's right. It's going to have a thousand cards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go bankrupt. Uh. <laughs> well, you mentioned that right from the get-go with Great Scott, you had the idea of combining words together. Where did that original idea come from? I just think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> also... Uh, I should say my memory's terrible, but I think what happened is that I had an idea of a game that involved combining words to make stupid stuff. I've actually got about six, I'm not going to say game designs, but six game outlines involving that mechanic. If you can even call it a mechanic, I think that's a bit, presum <laughs> it's a bit presumptuous on my part. Uh, so we'll just call it a thing. Uh, I've got six games that involve that as a thing. Um, wow. and, and this was the one that had legs I think there's one other one that I am still working on where it's definitely not a mechanic of the game it's just an amusing sideline of the game for some reason I'm obsessed with random words <laughs> I don't know why I can spend hours on like random name generators you know like if you need a name for a character for an RPG yeah, whatever, there's like that must be the origin there's hundreds of name generators out there and some of them are hilarious <laughs> only I think it's funny well you mentioned that the real fun part of the game is when you get to pitch your product to someone else yeah how did that come about was that always there from day one that was that was a day one yeah and i'm pretty sure the first time we played the game we just laid the cards out and fell around laughing at the ridiculous stuff that came up and we were like okay how do we make a game out of this yeah that was absolutely how it started one of the things that kept it going because it took a long time you know it's a simple game that took a long time to make at any time we could have sacked it off and done something else but the thing that kept it going for me was that even though we were going through playtest after playtest it was still funny things would get a bit tense and there'd be disagreements and stuff and then someone would put some stupid combination on the table and we'd all be laughing that was really what kept it alive for me and, and just gave me the idea that there was something to it and it would be worth carrying on with so I don't know if I'm sort of destined to make silly games or not. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, with like a name laughing. like Sinister Fish, I think you have to. <laughs> Damn, yeah. I might, might have to come up with another label for the, for the series. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dark. Second. Dark Eagle. There, yeah. there you go. <laughs> that it sounds, eats the Sinister that sounds Fish. scary, right? Yeah, Dark Eagle. Oh, yeah. That sounds yeah, pretty serious. Okay, like cool. Now, I read on your Kickstarter page that you licensed, or rather, you at least got permission from the British Library Board for the illustrations. Yeah. What's yeah. the story behind I, that? I don't think I needed to get a permission because they sort of publicly state they have a collection of images on Flickr, British Library Collection, I think it's called on there. If people want to go and have a look, it is amazing and well worth looking at. There are millions of images that they've scanned in from old books that are all out of copyright, basically. So there's tons of awesome stuff from, you know, sort of 19th century books can be challenging to look through because a lot of it is machine scanned so nobody was there to say okay right this is a picture of a dog you know sometimes it's you don't know what you're getting and you have to physically browse through millions of images and one of the things that you can do is add tags to it to help people find things later but i did contact them 
obviously to double check that it was absolutely free for commercial use and you know they're fine with it and it, as it turns out they're really happy with the way it's come out I'm going to enter a competition they have a competition every year for sort of innovative uses of the image library I think the one that won it last year was some cushions so <laughs> so yeah I'm in I'm definitely in steep competition with the cushions yeah yeah we're up against soft furnishings <laughs> well let's talk about your kickstarter project okay you're wrapping up at this point. You're down to what, about a week left? Yeah, just over a week. Yeah, May 4th we end. Star Wars Day. So overall, how's it going? Um, it's going pretty good. Yeah, I absolutely cannot complain. It's been awesome, actually. Yeah, going into it as a first-time creator, you have no idea if people are going to be, or how interested people are going to be. Obviously, we had some idea, because it's been play-tested, and it's been out there in the wild, and, and people have seen it and played it and told us that they enjoyed it. But you never know when you meet people and show them your game and play it with them that, you know, and they say, oh, it's amazing, it's amazing. Uh, you know, are they just being nice to you because you're there and they don't want to hurt your feelings, you know? In the back of my mind, there is always that possibility that, I didn't want to end up as the guy on the X Factor who's like all his friends and family have said, oh, you're brilliant at singing. Why don't you go and sing in front of millions of people? You know, nobody tells them the truth that they're terrible and maybe they should do something else. So yeah, I am a believer in sort of being honest with people when something's not as good as they think it is or not as good as other people are telling them that it is, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought there's a possibility that I'm that guy. But, you know, we, we did playtests and I had playtesters fill out feedback forms and score it out of 10 on different categories and things. The one category that was getting high marks towards the end once it had been tweaked was I asked them to mark it out of 10 for fun, right? Because what good is a game if it's no fun? And at the point that we were getting fairly consistent kind of nines and tens on fun, then I thought, OK, maybe it's good enough to try and publish. You know, you have to stop designing at some point. And I, I figured that was a good time to do it. So, yeah, thankfully it worked out. It's appealed to enough people to fund. So, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Better than I hoped for, definitely. Congratulations. Thank that's you, great. Cheers. Given this is your first project, was there anything about the process or about being on Kickstarter that you weren't anticipating that maybe your next project you'll know what to look out for? I spent a lot of time talking to other designers and Kickstarter people and reading all the same blogs that all the other designers read. James Math, Jamie Stegmeier. There's, there's tons of resources out there like... I learned how to design games on the internet. Simple as that. Well, how to publish games I learned on the internet. I don't know if I've designed a great game or not. I think I know how to publish a game. And I just learned that on the internet. You know, that information's there for anyone. As long as you're sort of sensible and careful about what advice you take and certainly research things for yourself. But but yeah, as far as the Kickstarter goes, I just from reading and talking to people, I did kind of know what to expect. And the best advice that I was given was start your promotion early crowdfunding is nothing without a crowd and you really do need to bring your own crowd with you so i started promotion and started collecting an email list and stuff like before the game was finished i was collecting email addresses and there was a website and all this kind of stuff facebook page if i can give people one bit of advice that i know for a fact has benefited me is start early with your promotion don't hide don't develop your game in secret nobody's going to steal your game tell everybody about it, you need people to see it, you need people to play it and be aware of it so that you've got people waiting to back it on day one. So you mentioned that gathering these email addresses, how were you driving people to your website even before the game was ready? By, by hook and by crook. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very slow process, that is. So, you know, as much time as you can give yourself to get all that stuff in place, absolutely, you know, like get that stuff in place a year before you go to Kickstarter. 
I've been adding five, ten people a month to the mailing list, you know, over time it adds up and then as you ramp up your kind of promotion pre-Kickstarter, that's when you see more of an influx. You know, it's very hard to get people interested when something's a year away or you don't <laughs> right. you don't know when you're publishing it or not. You know, you can't expect to hold people's interest actively for that long unless you've got some amazingly ridiculous product, you know. It'll vary by who you are and what the game is, I guess, but in my experience it, it was people were like oh this looks cool and that's about all you can expect i think you know and if they're that interested they'll give you their email address or, or like your facebook page so i was just kind of plugging away and post the odd image if i've got a new design for a card or something I'd like you stick it up and say oh, what do you think to this yeah and just kind of gradually interacting with people online and just having conversations with people really it's not so much trying to push the game that just turns people straight off but yeah just having conversations and, and just having sort of nice pictures available for people to see and the one thing that I did that got a bit more interest was when I was ready to do a print-and-play version. I cheekily put the link to the print-and-play in the welcome email that you get when you sign up to the mailing list. So it was just a little hook to get people to sign up to the mailing list and here's the print-and-play, you know, you do something for me, I'll do something for you kind of thing. You know, my mailing list is, is not an impressive number, but it's been, you know, it's been great for telling people when things are coming up and, you know, launch day, you tell everybody that it's there and we, we had a great day one, you know. It was better than I could have hoped for. I like to think that that was because I did my preparation. Maybe it wasn't. I'll never know. It might have just been okay on day one if I'd done nothing. I don't know, but I didn't want to. <laughs> well, I doubt that. I didn't want to take the risk. So I've seen plenty of day ones that have not been successful. Sure, so. sure. It's just a case of like you don't know what. You, it's very hard to tell if what you're doing is being effective. So just do as much as you can and hope that some of it's effective. It's the classic thing about advertising, isn't it? Like fifty percent of advertising works. There's no way of telling which half. <laughs> it is a bit easier to tell actually on the internet because you can track things but but yeah I did as much as I could without annoying people I hope you mentioned that you have this other game that you're kind of kicking around is that your next project after Great Scott's out and about um yeah I've kind of got three games that are at a point that I could pick any one of them up and sort of seriously develop them one in particular is you know ready for serious playtesting I think so it depends on how this one goes, you know, and again, it comes back to kind of economic aspects affecting game design. It's what I can afford to do next as well, which will inform that decision. You know, I was very lucky on this game to be able to use this copyright free artwork, which I think is perfect for the game and, and suits the look of it really well. But, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that the next time. So next time I have the extra cost of artwork to consider. So, yeah, I'm not going to run before I can walk. Just take small steps and see where we go. Well, you know, that was very clever of you to start with a game that was manageable. <laughs> no, don't give me credit for that. It's just necessity, you know. Like, I, I didn't have the money to pay an artist to do. Well, it ended up being 60 cards. Yes, yeah, so I would have needed 60 il original illustrations. And in the end, I just I couldn't afford to do that. And so it was right, okay, I'll look for public domain stuff. And then it, then it was difficult to get something that with a consistent look to it. And I think there's a, an old school friend actually told me about the British Library Flickr account, and that was it really. Just because the images all look good together and they're all in a similar style, that was when I knew that I could go ahead and definitely try and publish something, yeah. You know, obviously you have this kind of Victorian theme yeah. for Great Scott. Did that influence the theme? And that was just a lucky accident, really. And, and I guess that was kind of waiting to happen, because if you want to use a lot of copyright-free artwork, that there's kind of 19th century stuff, there's, there's more of it. I think it was always more likely going down that route of copyright free art that the game was going to be around that kind of thing, just because there's so much of that type of art available. If you delved into that archive, you could make 10 games easily. Oh, really? Yeah, I encourage people to check it out, definitely. Dave, we have a fun little thing we do at the end of the show. Oh, no. Not fun. <laughs> I've had enough fun. <laughs> oh, it's, we're just starting. Oh, no. Okay. 
So it's time to play the game design challenge. Oh no, you're gonna need an actual game designer for this. <laughs> you're gonna do great. I'm confident. Let's pretend. I can pretend. I'm a role player. I can pretend. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just, just role play your game designer. Okay, what would a game designer say? <laughs> right. Okay, so here's how this game works. I'm going to randomly pick a theme. I'll give that to you. And then just kind of mold over, think out loud, come up with a game that fits the theme, and then pitch it back to me. Oh, no. Okay. You up for that? <laughs> Does it sound like it? Yeah, yeah. Come on, Jeff. Let's go. Let's do this. this. You got this. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, come on then. Come on, theme here. And... The theme is going to be... Okay. In honor of Great Scott, since you use alliteration, I'm going to give you the theme in alliteration. Oh, God. I don't want to be the alliteration guy. Just just so you know. <laughs> Too late. You're branded. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> okay, your theme is Maniacal Morticians. Okay, so I'm thinking Frankenstein's laboratory, digging up body parts. Yeah, you're making monsters. I've invented Great Scott again, but with body parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're making, you're making monsters. Okay, so how would it play? How would it play? So it could be, could be a board, which is a graveyard, and you have to go and dig up graves, which might involve flipping tiles. Okay. And you're going to need to get other components for your creature, so there might be different ways of bringing them to life. So you might have a creature that's brought to life by lightning or, I don't know, by voodoo, this kind of thing. So might, maybe you have to like hire specialists in areas of macabre, corpse-raising type stuff. So yeah, I'm thinking maybe it's a worker placement game where you have, kind of, you have your sort of grave robbers and your scientists. Yeah, something along those lines. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a worker placement Frankenstein-themed game. Yeah. That's pretty fantastic. Done. Cool. Right, I'm on it. Okay. <laughs> what are you going to call this game? Maniacal Morticians. You got oh. it already. Okay, yeah, well, that, like it. That worked out so well. See, you are the alliteration <laughs> guy. You just it. confessed. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Okay. Well, Dave, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. It's been really good. I'll just say, nobody listen to a word I say. Uh, <laughs> I'm making it up as I go along. Hey, aren't we all? Well, some more than others, <laughs> I would say. Well, Dave, best of luck with the rest of your campaign. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody that's backed. It's, uh, yeah, it's been beyond my expectations. Well, absolutely awesome. Well, that was Dave Clark, the founder of Sinister Fish and the creator of Great Scott. It's got a few more days on Kickstarter, so get in there now. You've been listening to Your Tables on Fire. Follow us on Twitter at TableFire. And in fact, shoot us a message there with your game design challenge ideas. We'd love to hear from you. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, Board Game Geek. Hit us up on any of those sites and give us your review. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, go light it up. Go light it up.